Hello, and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we don't believe in labels, but we're here to celebrate pride in both the gay community and the best TV show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling a very special episode for Pride Month, uh, Gay Pride and the Golden Girls. Yes, our very first very special episode. It's very, very, very special. Yes. I know. Double I know. very. <laughs> <laughs> Double very. But yeah, so it's Pride Month, and I think that, you know, it's it's not really a secret that um, the Golden Girls really, really resonates in the gay community, and we're going to talk about all the reasons why we believe that to be. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a huge following. Um, I think before we get into um, the specific connection there, uh, it's very important to acknowledge that um, we are currently, right now, in June 2020, in the middle of um, what I hope is... A, an uprising that will result in some sort of, some sort of racial justice in this country and yeah. um it seems um seems silly to do a pride episode without first acknowledging that uh pride was a riot and it was in protest of police brutality and it was started by black trans women largely so absolutely big shout out to that and and you know we are um we are grateful to be witnessing this and and we hope that real change comes mm-hmm Absolutely. So, um, speaking of change, uh, I think it also might be useful. So, like you said, the Golden Girls is wildly popular in the gay community now. Um, but it's really illuminating when you look at the context that they were in in the 80s. Um, I think it it bolsters how uh, bold they were, really, about, about these issues. Like, yeah. Um, even us watching like reruns in the nineties and the two thousands, like there are parts of it that, um, like for instance, we were watching Sophia talk about gay marriage before, like we actually had (laughs) national gay marriage. And it's like, like to your point, even thinking about when this, when this was episode, these episodes were airing, this was a big deal to even touch on these subjects in the way that they did. Decades before gay marriage, you know, it wasn't like a couple years, like it's, yeah really um really ahead of its time and so you think about it and like first of all it was only in 2003 that lawrence v texas the supreme court case um ruled that american laws prohibiting consensual homosexual acts were unconstitutional so 2003 i know isn't that nuts oh my god um i know i learned a lot when i was doing my research (laughs) (laughs) as um yes um, but I mean, even like something like HIV AIDS, like Reagan obviously dropped the ball on HIV AIDS. Like if that's <laughs> offensive to you, you need to read a book. But so he, um, <laughs> so he doesn't even say the word AIDS in public until 1985 and 72 hours, the episode, you know, obviously where Rose is waiting for her test yeah. results, um, was in 1990. So that's only five years between the president of the United States and this like, very lighthearted sitcom about four old women like you know like what (laughs) that's actually a really good point yeah because it's like it usually takes uh some sort of controversial issue um like a lot of years of watering down in the public consciousness before it can actually be featured in a comedy television show exactly (laughs) yeah it's like you know it's like oh we're talking about those laughs back in the day but this was an (laughs) active thing still happening and still um really really not being handled at all by our government so also talk about relevant today pandemics i mean oh my god (laughs) this episode is uh is really it's it's (laughs) 
it's really depressing actually yeah no it hits a lot and it's like oh nothing nothing's better <laughs> nothing's better actually yeah like just like you said just waiting for a really shitty republican president who doesn't give a shit about <laughs> pandemics or police brutality oh my god anyway um moving on so what what else like let's talk about um so reagan's response is obviously horrific and it's it is something hiv aids is because of the government response because people are uneducated about it there's a lot to it there that that you have to actually um like you know the the misconception i guess about how you uh, get hiv aids you know who gets it all of that is handled really well i think in the um 72 hours episode and it's not it wasn't even speed it was like basically a public health episode like it was filling the gap of what the government really wasn't doing which is like talking about all these unanswered questions um which i thought was amazing Um, yeah it's crazy how um you know like i think i can't obviously know what it was like to grow up in a time where because i think when i was in even like elementary school and we or i guess middle school um but like you know when you hear about hiv aids it's never really taught to you at least from my experience as like a bad person's disease because it was so much yeah. later and, and we knew so much more about it, but it a hundred percent was until really like Ryan white emerged because people mm-hmm. thought that gay people were gross. And so it was like, this is a gross disease that you get if you're gay, you know? Yep. And like to have that, if you were describing the golden girls to somebody and you told them, you know, like the characters and the plots, whatever, and you were like, Oh, and also there's an HIV AIDS episode. That person would be like, uh, right. what? <laughs> like, totally. That's right. That makes total sense. But it's really like, it's just another like nod to them for acknowledging it. And, and also I think like you said that episode does such a good job with the different attitudes and like the anguish of waiting for your results and Blanche, like, which I think makes sense. Like Blanche as the, promiscuous one sort of defending like you know yeah it's not a bad person's disease that line is so powerful um and that's really another piece i think of of why the golden girls does such a good job with this stuff is because that's really the only heavy queer themed episode i can think of like most Mm -hmm. of the other ones are pretty funny and light which like i think as a gay person to see that just being like woven into storylines and not being the only piece of the character of the episode was right. probably more important for me as a kid than I really, than I am aware of even now. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like everything with, you know, with, when you have Clayton, when you have Coco, like they're just like the, the care and Jean, I mean, the, the characters are just, they're whole people in and of themselves. And there's not, too much from like the parody sense um you know in i mean there there are a few you know cheap laughs and we can talk about um the uh, caterer <laughs> in a minute but <laughs> which again he's still so funny like it's like it's such a great comic relief rambo but, um, rambo, <laughs> butt out, rambo. Um, but even still like the you know that's not well we're going back to like talking about setting the, the time here right like gay people are sort of in the media ish, you know, and like people understand like what being gay means to your point. Like there is like, this is a dirty subculture in a lot of the, you know, sort of public consciousness. But um, you, I mean, when was like the first, when did we see like out gay people on television? Was there any, like, I mean, I think you did your research and you said like the first lesbian kiss on TV was in 1991. 1991 on La La of all shows, which is crazy. (laughs) On 
God, I've also been spreading <laughs> I've also been spreading misinformation for years because I've always claimed that the first lesbian kiss on TV was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh-huh. Um, hey Gina. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I think you know like I think the first kiss in 1991 and, and, you know, like every single time there was like a same sex interaction, like it was a huge deal. It was like, right, you right. know, even it was even, a very special episode. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I even remember on Will and Grace when Will and Jack were going to kiss for the first time. It was not romantic. It was like a whatever, it was but like it was comedy. Exactly. Like yeah. But it was a huge deal. And so, you know, there's no like physical affection on the golden girls that I can recall, but like even to just have these storylines and again, like have them, it's not even like when Jean comes, like the main storyline isn't that she's a lesbian, right? It's like, she's in love with Rose, which is like a bigger problem. And like, they just do such a good job with that. Yeah, you're right. Actually they do. I would say that maybe the closest that in terms of anything sexual happening, like with a gay character in the Golden Girls, is like the whole like, will Jean sleep in the same bed with Rose? Yeah, she's sort of right, right. Like that's, <laughs> but that's like that's kind of like a tense moment. And again, for a hundred percent, that's huge. Um, and I actually, yeah, we, we can talk about more about that in our episode. Um, mm-hmm. Isn't romantic, but but I think that <laughs> you know that was a question of whether or not she would actually get into bed with her, like when they were filming it, which was kind of an interesting one. Um, but like from a respectful standpoint, I think it really works for the Jean character because that's exactly what she does. She wouldn't want to make Rose uncomfortable. Comfortable. And it's sort of like, again, to your earlier point, it's not just, she's just not this like gay pawn. Yeah, exactly. Like she has, a, she has a whole personality. She is the quote unquote straight woman from a comedy sense in that episode because, <laughs> you know, she's pretty just like, you know, just casual and chill. But I mean, it's, it's really cool. And the same thing too. It's like the Clayton episodes, um, one where he comes out and two where he actually is, is going to get married. It's, it's really like, he's he's already done his growth and his personal work and like coming out and everything sort of behind the scenes and the episodes are largely about blanche and other families acceptance and the other girls like bring him along which is really cool too right it's not like focusing on his story and it's like only about him it's like no like hello it's teaching straight people like (laughs) that this is what happens and that you have to understand and like you know like what what it really means for you to interact with gay family members etc so again it was sort of like a public health notice something that wouldn't be necessarily a full topic today but it was really really important to show that at the time yeah and i think on clayton like so sister uh, i mean scared straight is in season four and then sister of the bride is in season six which yeah. i think is also really impressive that um the show doesn't it doesn't do like one gay episode and it's like okay we did it like we covered it right like, like yeah they, they didn't like check off yeah <laughs> oh thank god we got that out of the way and clayton is really the only one who i feel like um, you know, the story is both about, right, like him coming out and then also him wanting to get married. But you're right, like it's about Blanche's reaction. And I think it does a really good job, especially at the time, especially for um, somebody like Clayton who comes from like a super like Baptist Southern oh, yeah. family, you know, like. Who was he... married to a woman. I mean, you know. like Right. So like he tells her and then presumably like a year or two later, like he comes back and they have that whole conversation about like. What, you know, Dorothy, I think, asked Blanche, like, if she has a problem with him being gay or something like that. And she's like, I don't mind him being gay, but I just don't like him dating men or whatever it right. is. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
There have to be homosexuals who date women. <laughs> yeah, they're called lesbians. Oh, <laughs> but no, exactly. And like he has that line where he's like, "Did you? What did you mean when you said you accepted me? Like, does you know? Did you mean as long as I wasn't cel- I was celibate? Like, I mean, it was. It's it's pretty pointed, and it's really, again, just thinking about at the time of like, it's like this is not some surface level acceptance right this is like this is who i am and you have to accept all of me right like this is i mean they're just really really powerful episodes but again in centering like the reaction of the girls and how they have to deal with it like clayton is unapologetic to be like you know doug's my family now and he accepts me so like if you can't goodbye yeah (laughs) it's it's pretty huge instead of like like a gay person sort of begging for acceptance from their family right it's like to your point whole characters and it's it's really important and it's it, again it flips it around so like Blanche is like I don't want to lose him <laughs> so yeah. I have to be the one to sort of quote unquote meet him halfway yeah no um, it's it's great and I think yeah. also like even when Clayton and Rose in the first episode um that Clayton's <laughs> in when they're sitting and she's like trying to find his type and yeah. Rose is like ah, <laughs> he's a man and you're a yeah. man and yeah. like <laughs> They, you know, like, she's coming to this realization, and um, it it makes sense for her character, but, like, she's so good and sweet, and she's like, oh, wow, like, are you thinking of telling Blanche? Like, you know, whatever, and then there's, like, that whole bizarre thing that, like... I know, she takes the hit, though. (laughs) Yeah, she does. She does a great job to protect him, yeah. Um, But it's just, like, another, another note of, like, I think also they, this show is so good about capturing, like really the different ways in which people react to it, which is like, like Dorothy and Jean, like it seems to not be a thing at all, which I think is, is again, like how most gay people live most of their lives. Like you're not yes. constantly coming out. Thank God. Like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so it's, it's pretty progressive in that way. Um, there are a couple times where I feel like um, we've talked about sort of like transphobic instances of yeah. the show and like, it's a long time ago. I think things were really different, but I do think like it would be remiss not to mention that. Like there's a couple, no, like Gil Kessler is yeah. Gil Kessler. Though, I feel like that's an example. Like they don't really make a caricature out of it for most of it. Right. Um, it's actually, it's, it's interesting to think about that one because yeah, it's not done the best, but like also I, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to have, pick a 1980s television. Yeah. Um, but the the joke is largely around Sophia having this hunch that right. like something is is like in this political sphere, right? Like <laughs> quote unquote amiss or different, and and it's kind of interesting. Like you know, like they they could have gone so many directions with that that episode where I think where I couldn't even stomach watching it again, right? Like this isn't you know Ace Ventura, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dennis. I know it's. I know. Sorry, but it's pretty bad. (laughs) It's real bad. (laughs) It's like he can't imagine. It's like intertwined with the whole thing. But, (laughs) um, but yeah. But but also like from uh, you know, like a cross-dressing perspective, right? And the confusion over like where that comes from and all that stuff. Like that's handled so much with Phil. Mm-hmm. And it's again like you know it's it's strewn about in so many other episodes and even you know it's it's always this off-color type of of remark, but. I feel like in Ebb Tide's Ebb Revenge, like when, when Phil's funeral, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the series, sorry. Um, <laughs> he dies. <laughs> he does. You never meet him, but he dies. Um, that, you know, like Angela, aka Big Sally. Big is Sally. Like really, you know, like, again, it's 
the episode is centered around Sophia struggling with it and thinking that it's embarrassing and thinking that she did something wrong and and you know she's so caught up in like literally her self-centered emotions because it's all it's really about embarrassment right and like his wife is sitting here being like he was an amazing man he was a great man he was a great husband he was a great father like what is the fucking problem you know right. and it's just like she really puts it into context um and, you know, Sophia somewhat gets there at the end. And I, again, I think it's the same sort of pattern with Clayton of just like these men, these women are who they are. And, and it's about this other straight society that is so ingrained in like how you should be um, coming to terms with people that are different. And again, like very much like putting it out there, they're not bad people in the slightest. Clayton just wants to marry the man he loves, just like Blanche did. You know, like Phil was a wonderful husband, person, and father, and like he just happened to like wearing dresses. You know, I mean, it's like all of that kind of stuff. I think is like, for the most part, they they do get it right. Yeah, and Phil is particularly interesting because his sexuality is sort of ambiguous, but like he was with Big Sally for such a long time. You know, like he right. obviously like loved her, but. Um, more so than his sexual orientation, I feel like he really challenges, like, masculinity and, like, this idea... I mean, obviously, like, it's an extreme case to, like, wear women's clothes, but, like, this idea that, like, men are men and women are women and, like, if you step over that line at all, you're, like, you know, and I I think that's a very... um, Still today, like, people have that belief, which is insane to me, but, like, especially (laughs) in the 80s, um, you know, an Italian immigrant who's in her 80s like it's not hard to believe that Sophia would have trouble like with any blurring of gender lines you know and and I feel like exactly it's really again like so impressive that they were able to touch on that without making fun of it yeah exactly but I love the I love the fact that we constantly hear about how you know Phil is married to a woman because again like it like you said challenges like even today, I don't think they do anything that complex, right? No. <laughs> Having like a, a, a probably like a mostly straight man or straight man, because I don't think there actually is any, you know, really anything talking about his sexual orientation that much, right? I mean, like compared to other characters. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, he like, you know, at the funeral too, like he has like his, <laughs> it's like three uh, yeah. poker buddies. <laughs> Well, I forgot about like, that. Yeah, it's like supposed to be. They're like, oh, I can't believe they showed up. Oh my god! And everyone's like, oh my gosh! It's Blanche is like, you know, they're having an affair. It's terrible. Again, like a traditional straight man thing, right? Oh, cheating on the wife. And <laughs> blah blah blah. No, it just turns out that it's three other dudes <laughs> that like also love to dress in drag, and like it's just it's amazing. I I really love that they they play with that. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Um, and you know, like sort of. It's related in a way, but later on, um, Goodbye, Mr. Gordon is the one. Is, <laughs> yes. First of all, so fucking funny. I recently watched it again to prepare for this, and I was laughing the whole time. Um, it's so great. So good. But that's when, obviously, Dorothy and Blanche, first of all, like, Rose signs them up for a TV show about lesbians, which, like, yeah. is pretty perfect. fair to be a little mad about that and then you know Blanche there's just so many funny lines and like Blanche is like every man I know is watching this show this yeah. live show about lesbian Lewis of Miami like, live show. <laughs> <laughs> um but I think like you know overall they're on the show with the image consultants and blah 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 but the big part I we think don't believe in <laughs> the big part I think that um you know wins them 
like a, a gold star for me is that at the towards the end when Blanche is talking to Rose and they're kind of mad at her for like putting them on the show she's like yeah. I don't mind being labeled a lesbian but I'm not and now I yeah. can't get a date and it's like right. that's it right like that's yeah. what all straight people I feel like miss or like meet or whatever you know like you think about in middle school when everybody would say like oh that's gay I know and like it's just that's it like it doesn't matter like it's not you're not lesser if you're labeled gay or queer you know and anything right. but like if you're not you don't want to be because you do want to date people and I feel like it's that also, is yeah it's like a practical function yeah <laughs> that's what I mean like that's like a huge thing for her to say um <laughs> So that really yeah, struck that actually, me. That's yeah, you're right, and it really gets at the heart of just like if you're fully accepting and you're like if you really sit with your feelings of like why you're uncomfortable about it, and you pat, you know, like you you work through it, and you're just like, no, the only reason this is why I'm on a television program. Yeah. <laughs> no man except a, a horrific. Well, that episode doesn't do well. Is that Blanche gives in to this horrific guy who thinks he can turn uh, a lesbian? So. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure, like, what exact message they were sending about this, except that Blanche really wanted to bone this terrible guy. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but still, but you're right, that, that is an extremely powerful line, because it's just, again, it's just regular, it's regular life, that's all it is. I'm just speaking from a practical standpoint, doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, and Danny Thomas is a lesbian, and it's all okay. Lesbian. Lesbian. <laughs> Lesbian. <laughs> can we can we talk about um excuse me for living anita bryant <laughs> please <laughs> because i feel like he is you know that caterer is just he's like the epitome of flamboyance and like a stereotype um and just like with like body language and everything like that and butt out rambo and his ponytail <laughs> yeah <laughs> seriously but i also think like again they're not adding gratuitous like stereotypically flamboyant characters without it being so fucking funny yeah like that guy like again we talk about this all the time you know if you're a regular listener uh that <laughs> that like there are so many um just like tiny little like you know characters that pop in and out for just like an episode or maybe even just an episode or two for a few minutes that really just like steal the show and it's hard to steal the show with these four ladies as we all know and it's a pretty big deal but that's like one of those sort of like mini characters that stands out that it's just like it's perfect that they never bring him back because it would be overdone but I just I love that entire scene because he takes charge of it yeah and he's so he's so comfortable with himself I feel like which is yeah. why it works and it's not like a you know like obviously they didn't get they didn't invent the trope of the gay caterer like we've all right. met them yeah. in real life first <laughs> yes, of all but exactly. um <laughs> But he's so he's so great, and he stands up to Dorothy, who is being yeah. ridiculous in that scene. So I feel like it it's nice that he plays sort of like the um, the one who like brings her to the light of like you're being so silly, you know? Like I know, yeah, you're right. He actually is a pivotal moment in terms of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you say something smart, I'll slap you. <laughs> also, um, Anita Bryant is brought up a lot. I know. I was yeah. like, so um, in the Miami is nice songwriting yeah. contest um they say that they told uh dorothy says they 
um, made them get out of the way when they took the winner's picture with Anita Bryant. And it's like, yeah. well, you guys wouldn't really want, like in real life, especially too, like these girls were Dorothy um, or B. Arthur, I should call her, um, yeah. you know, supported the Alley Forney Center and Ruba Clanahan appeared at all yes. these fundraisers and Estelle Getty, like flat out refused to do gay bashing jokes. And Betty White is, you know, still a, an activist for the LGBTQ yes, community. Exactly. So like for these girls to be saying like, oh, I wish I could see Anita Bryant, even at the time, like, you know, they were like, all right, I guess we'll do this. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting. Again, like thinking about the writers, like where you're just like, well, I'm reading it this way, but maybe that was early. That's only second season. So maybe. <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking. Maybe it was before she was just like a beauty queen and nobody had heard her opinions on gay people yet, which is. Yeah. Who cares? Which, which is why they. Uh... <laughs> Which is why they gave uh, the caterer that line, you know. Yeah. Later, later on, they have to make it make it right for their Anita Bryant references. Yeah, <laughs> uh. you're so right about all of these women in real life, um, really being, you know, uh, supporters of the gay community and activists, and really and using their power for good, their power and the money, you know. And it's kind of it's really heartening to see that that is also reflected in the show and like we said like i i'm sure that like lines like that were grown dad slash in later seasons been like guys we're a powerhouse like we can't we're not going to write anything that we're not comfortable with like you said estelle getty said she wouldn't do gay bashing jokes and like everything was made to um you know kind of align with these these ladies values which is so powerful yeah no i i definitely think that really that it matters that they walk the walk and I think that that's also part of the reason, like circling back to how where we started, like yeah. that's the reason that the Golden Girls is so pervasive in queer culture, and like you know, like you think about the drag show and like the the fashion and like the oh, yeah. merchandise we have now, like there's so many elements of um of the two things like intersecting and and um you know like that I I just can't even get over like that they're so I think I think there's probably more than one but like you know the very famous drag show that still is <laughs> running uh where oh, yeah. it's all you know a parody of of the girls oh yeah well the first one was 2003 um the same year that uh <laughs> yeah it's wild same year reports that gay people are illegal <laughs> seriously <laughs> Um, wow, that really puts it into context, actually. That kind of blew my mind a bit. Um, but 2003, it opened, Gold Girls Live opened in New York, and then it was promptly shut by, down by Lifetime. <laughs> but clearly has won out and is now all over the country. And um, I mean, it's just that that aspect alone, because it's like, you have an ensemble of four women. You have, as you, as you mentioned, the fashion on this show is like, is just in and of itself just a thing of beauty, especially representing the 80s and like just these high collars and tuxedo <laughs> shirts and just like bring it all back. sorts of, yeah, I mean, all of it is incredible as, as Rue McClanahan knew because she wrote into her contract that she was keeping all of her um, outfits and, and jewelry that they have in the show. But um, yeah, you have that perfect storm of, of sort of those two, like, you know, superficial things. Of, of just being able to put together a drag show. But like to your point of like, because it was so progressive for its time, that's largely the reason it holds up today. We're not talking about a, a lot of episodes that like don't handle these topics well. It was so progressive for its time that it actually matches with quote unquote where we're at now and still where we need to go in life, you know? Um, so for, I, I feel like for just, uh, from a gay rights standpoint, like, because it was so relevant back then, that has that longevity where it's recognized. And obviously there's so many, you know, just 
in the gay community and outside of it too, like the Golden Girls is constantly being rediscovered by, you know, even kids today watching, you know, ancient television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On Hulu and whatnot. Um, and, and clips are floating around the internet. Like you said, that's why the merch is there. And that's why um, I think you said like even Target makes a pride yeah. shirt. <laughs> Um, it's become so ubiquitous in the, in the community. It really has. And wait, just correct me if I'm wrong, but your entire family went to see the Golden Girls. <laughs> oh, <show>. absolutely. <laughs> well, what happened was, uh, as you know, I've been a fan for a long time. I was at NYU in 2003, and uh, I was walking through the West Village one day on my way to class. And I did, like, literally, I still remember, I did this comical thing where I like, <laughs> stepped past Rose's turn. Um, which, you know, like it's this, this, it was this wonderful little tiny, like, I mean, literally tiny, like could not have, you know, more than two people in there coronavirus, um, <laughs> times spot, um, that was, you know, made like, it was basically made for these off, 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 off Broadway shows and like, you know, just like little collaborative things in the West village, which, you know, unfortunately there's not any place like that anymore. Um, unless it's in someone's apartment. Yeah, it's like your house. But they, yeah, they literally, I had like stepped past it and stepped back because they had a big Golden Girls picture on the front door. Like it was like, you know, photocopied. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, Golden Girls drag is like ab- absolute perfect combination. So of course I went uh, with a friend of mine and I won the trivia contest. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and the prize actually was a burned cd because remember this is 2003 um with like handwriting on it that was of them recording via tape cassette recorder off the television all of the songs in the golden girls so like you know the (laughs) miami is nice song and then the um or miami you've got style as well as miami is nice (laughs) that little short clip yeah you know the uh um (laughs) thanks for the medicare (laughs) literally all of it was great so I loved it so much that I, you know, my, my mother, who has also watched the Golden Girls with me too, um, I basically made, yeah, her and my father, my brother, come. my brother was in high school. And of course, like, you know, Blanche was flirting with him so much and he was embarrassed and it was wonderful. So there's definitely a photo of, um, of my parents uh, with all the Golden Girls in, in uh, the West Village. And it was just wonderful. It was awesome. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram if you want to see that. Yeah. I love it. Enough wicker. <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, I just, I mean, it's everything about that show. And I love that it continues today. I've also been in Portland and like, like you said, there's once in every single, um, you know, uh, city around the country of just having that perfect combination of just like the pure love of the show, but it's so intertwined with gay culture that like a lot of them actually at Rose's turn, they did do, isn't it romantic? They, they recreated that mm. episode, which was really good. But even like other, other shows, they just pick not totally non gay episodes and just play it, you know, it's just like quote unquote, play it straight. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just, it's a really perfect um, way to do an homage to the show in general but also having like it, it basically if you just say we're gonna do golden girls and drag i feel like people who would never go to a drag show otherwise who enjoy the golden girls have like attended those shows and it just inches people closer along to understand more inner work as the gay community and of course like nowadays like everybody watches drag race so it's, that's even more intertwined with people like going to these shows but i just think it's it's such a cool um homage yeah uh, to do that really touches on all the points that we've just talked about definitely and i think even like um speaking of drag race (laughs) um i have (laughs) 
been watching like all 12 seasons over the course of like, I don't know, six weeks. It's fine. It's quarantine, whatever. <laughs> but, but what I was going to say is like, it's really, um, particularly Dorothy, Dorothy's born. It comes up a lot as just like a reference that they assume everyone gets. And like, I think 95% of the drag queens on the show and like the you know like everyone does know her and even if they don't yeah. like know her intimately they're aware of her but most of them I think know her intimately and I think like yeah. it's because of what you were just saying like a lot of the times it might be somebody's first intro to drag and maybe that person will end up being a drag queen or maybe it's somebody's first intro into like going into a gay bar you know like I think the um that the show does that and that the characters do that by itself is like a huge yeah. nod. Um, right. But I think it's all sort of wrapped up with the drag queens and with the, with the girls themselves and, and all of it is like, it all comes back to that central point that um, we've brought up a couple times of like a chosen family, which is yeah. so important in the queer community. And I, I, um, I think that straight family members and straight friends, even who are accepting like, that's really, really important, and and you know I wouldn't ever downplay the um, the weight of that. But I think yeah. that coming out is a traumatic thing, regardless of how it goes, and it's it's makes you be more vulnerable than like I personally ever like to be, and and would never right. want to be again. So I think to have people, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> this is my coming out <laughs> for everyone. Um, but you know, I think to have people, friends, and and partners and things like that who have also gone through that does create this sense of of a, a bond that isn't really in my experience and we like hasn't really been replicated or duplicated yeah. anyway so um I think the the concept that you could find people who aren't blood related to you who become closer in some instances than your blood relatives or at least as close like that's really comforting I think again like I feel like I didn't realize I was you know taking any of this when I was watching the show as a kid but I must have been like wow that's really nice that you would be able to find friends who become your family in a way that is more than just like oh yeah we talk about everything you know like it's it's that unspoken level of closeness that I feel like a lot of gay people especially when you're figuring it out like are like am I ever gonna have that and to see it especially like older which I feel like is when you're like oh my god am I gonna be like alone in my six you know like it's really, exactly. it's super comforting. Yeah. No, that's such a huge point. It's like chosen family, like you said, is so relevant to anyone and like hopeful to anyone who doesn't feel like, you know, they actually have that support. Or like you said, when you're older, like in life and things have changed, but like, and that's obviously the whole premise of the gold girls, right? <laughs> like you can recreate whatever, whatever you want for your own life. And it can be with people who aren't your blood relatives. But like you said, I mean, that's, that's, the most powerful thing in, in, in so many ways for the queer community. And especially um, when it was, you know, you were so much less accepted. Like you said, you have such a loving family who's been amazing, but like they, they still don't have that exact same shared experience. Um, and it's such, it's such a cool thing to have that modeled in the show, whether or not they were really even thinking of how relevant it was yeah. back <laughs> in the day when they were writing it, you know, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I feel like we really knocked this one out of the park. <laughs> yeah, I think we did too. It was fantastic. So, well, thanks for joining. Um, and as Lauren said, you know, if, if you can, uh, we, we know we're speaking right now in Pride Month in 2020, and there's an awful lot going on. So if you're able, um, please support uh, Black Lives Matter and other Black-owned businesses. Um, 
defund the police and please, you know, try to create the uh, society that the Golden Girls would have wanted us to have in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Do it for Betty White's sake, for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Join us next time for our regularly scheduled episodes. Bye-bye.